We all have heard horror stories of how a remodel nearly tore a couple apart, as well as how impactful our environment can be on our state of well-being. Remodels don't have to end in divorce, and we can reflect our true selves in our environment with the right approach. Welcome to Psychotecture. My name is Rachel Melvald, and I'm a psychotherapist and designer. Psychotecture was developed as a methodological approach to ease issues that come up in design challenges, as well as a philosophy on how our environment can reflect our highest selves. Each week, I will interview an expert in the field of design and psychology to shed light on design challenges. I will also have a special series called The Psychotech is In, where I can offer help to those in design intervention need. If you're enjoying this Psychotech is in, please subscribe to my podcast, as well as follow me on social media at Rachel Melvald. And if you are a client, couple, or designer architect having a design challenge, please feel free to email me at my website, psychotecture.com, or rachel at psychotecture.com. Welcome to the Psychotech is in. Yes. Okay. Hello and welcome to the Psychotech is in. I am so thrilled and just delighted that our guest today, who I met at a, a talk he was actually giving at David Levine Furniture a few weeks ago. This is John Yell of Transitional Custom Furniture, or what is the whole name that I, I want to make sure I get it correct? So my name is Joniel, and I have a company, a upholstery manufacturing company, alongside with my mother, Eve. The name of the company is Transitional Customs Furniture. So we're an upholstery manufacturer where we manufacture for the trade solely. So for other interior design firms, they bring me their renderings, their projects, and I manufacture it for them out of scratch. Which is unbelievably important in our time as we go into with psychotecture and how we curate and create our home spaces in a way that is individualized, is customized. And let me tell you, not easy to find somebody like you that can really manifest that, you know, design in terms of actually manufacturing the furniture. Thank you so much. That's very sweet of you. I think it's a whole magical approach, what I would say, magical, where you bring it out of your mind's landscape, an idea where it's just roaming through your mind's landscape and to drive it out, to extract it out and to bring it into a tangible form that to me, it's beyond magical. It's what I would say, birthing an idea into reality. So to me, that is so gratifying when every time I bring a project to life. And I really appreciate how you said it's like a birthing because so much of creativity is a birthing. And if you look at production and truly coming from an idea to manufacturing and putting that into our space, it's that's art. And you, what inspired me about you, you know, there's furniture design and then there's somebody like you, Janielle, that really does live in a, a psychological, spiritual and creative space in the furniture design world. And 
So I guess, you know, my first question is because what I was really very transfixed on was as I see you in this gorgeous pink and green and your flowers and your serpents on this gorgeous, what, what would this, this would be your, what furniture piece am I looking at? This is your... So this piece here in my side, I manufacture it out of scratch. So to me, what I foresaw here in my mindset is I'm moved by rhythm. I'm moved by melodic music that really uplifts the spirit. So to me, this what you see the serpents, how they're composed out of checkers, made out of nail heads, decorative nails. So that is pertaining to ska music. Ska music, it's like two-tone ska trumpets where it's very progressive, anti-oppression. And if you would study the or origin of ska music and where it came from, it's anti-oppression where society was trying to oppress a certain group of individuals and through rhythm and, and through well-dressed attire, they, they uplifted themselves and proved society wrong. And so to me, it pertains to music and also the jungle, the innate passion that, that nature brings to us as a human individual. That's why you see serpents, you see four serpents, there's four climbing up into this world. They all represent the, the cardinal points, north, south, east, and west. So we're all as human individuals finding our place in this earth trying a situation, trying a different chapter, a different approach. And ultimately at the end, at the top of, the, of my chest here, there's two snakes, two serpents where they're making a hole. So oh. metaphorically, they're, they're reaching Kundalini. They're, yes. they're, they, they have aligned all their energies and, and reach Kundalini where they, they find that higher consciousness where they found themselves. So that's what it signifies here. And I really appreciate how you take furniture design to a psycho spiritual level and how it's almost in, in psychotherapy, psychology, we look at, I studied Jungian analytical work and, you know, he talks a lot about like in Joseph Campbell, the hero's journey and the mythical journey. And I appreciate how your creative design process and in, in how you even describe the serpents here is really going from the personal is political. You know, there's the connection to music and ska and how to transcend oppression is the personal is political. And it, it so much speaks to how I love understanding the psychology of design because it's, it's more than just, you know, a blueprint that, you know, we just would look at Crate and Barrel and say, oh, we like that, you know, credenza. Your ability to perceive the connection and meaning of the objects in our space and the furniture in our space as being a reflection of this journey is so beautiful. And I guess I want to know more about when we were 
discussing the attribute of color in our furniture design. I always want to implement color neuroscience and methodology and understanding the vibration of color. And you had such an intriguing apprenticeship with Pantone and and your current relationship to color. I'd love for the audience to hear more about that. So yes, I studied with Latrice Eisman, which she collaborates in deriving the color of the year with Pantone. And so she is known as a color expert of the world, the most influential color expert of the world by Forbes magazine. So to me, that is fascinating that they describe her as that because in my heart, it's much more, it's an ignition of inspiration working alongside with her. Because when I went on that journey with her, color enthusiasts from all over the world, South Korea, Brazil, old Miami, through the country, they came together and they united in Bainbridge Island, Washington. And one sole thing brought us together, which is the energy of color. Color brings us to life. Color takes us out of the ordinary and it lifts us up. Yeah. And so to me, that's very important. And if you can see that color always plays a very important role in our everyday lives and in many cultures. And like you can see in Pantone, mm-hmm. when in 2021, when they chose, when the color of the year was produced, it was not one color, it was two. It was in that rarely, seldom would it ever happen. But if you realize that and you analyze and you get the critical thinking motioning forward, we were motioning through that, through the pandemic. I know we still are, but it was barely new at the strongest point. And so they chose gray alongside with a hue, like yellow hue illuminating. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And, and so if you, if you analyze and, and put critical thinking in perspective, everyone had to sit down and analyze the world, analyze what is going on. So it's not something that is just generated to generate. It's something that is really well thought about. And, and what would I say almost symbolical of where we're going and where we are. Because if you notice the gray, it's a tone. It's in between the tone, the essence black and, and the light, which is white. And so we're, we're transcending, we're motioning forward. We're not in the darkness, but yet we're not in the light. And so we're in between motioning forward and they chose the other one, the illuminating color, which is that bright yellow. Yeah. Because we're, we're looking forward towards a future, towards a future where, where there is hope. As you see, it's yellow. Those hues that are illuminating tend to bring us a sort of comfort. Yes. Yes. Into, into our well-being. And that's why many, I would say, I'll give you an example. Many companies, I won't say the names of the restaurants, but fast food restaurants, they pinpoint, they bring out certain colors to use in their establishment because they generate energy. For example, I'll give you one restaurant. There's a restaurant that has two colors. 
It has the, the white reflective tone and it has red. Red is an activator. It, and feng shui, it's an activator, which means a fire element. Mm-hmm. And so right. in this restaurant where they have white, which is reflective, which is quick, it bounces energy off. It bounces energy off. So they want to have clients come in and what? Get out, in and out, in and out, you know? And so that's why they have the white with the activator red and a little pinch, just a tiny pinch of yellow, just to, to bring in the comfort. That is fascinating to just break it down in that vibration and how in marketing that can be so influential. And that just really could, and I think we, we have some understanding of what that place is. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. And, and if you see the other one, the, 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 the one, the other restaurant, the other fast food branch, which is has much more yellow implemented into it. And let me tell you why it has. Yes, it has red. It has much more yellow and it has some white in there. But this other red branch added more yellow into it because they want you to linger around more in the playground. Yeah. They want your children to, to lounge around. And in the meantime, you go pick up the value menu and through that value menu, you make up a sale and that sale is going to probably end up five value items. And there goes your, your sale and income your, that you're gaining. Right. And I, and I, think this is so important to highlight how you break down color and marketing because Pantone as a color science, I would say, right? It's like a color science and methodology and it can be applied to fashion, you know, color of the year, fashion, marketing, you know, how we are influenced in our space and they can even create a whole lookbook around the season. Right. And it's so fascinating how we can really be influenced by color in terms of how it can make our businesses more successful or what we want to not induce might be a little intrusive, but what we want to create in, in, in productivity for a business sense, as well as a home sense. So what are, what are kind of the social emotional goals of your business and your home color being coded into that is very influential. Correct. It is very important. It's imperative in one's life. For example, you see here in this corner, I have some pop of color, but their accents. And here's a description. For example, if I were to have my home red, for example, red walls, my four red walls, my living room, that's an activator. That's that high energy, the fire. And so if I have in my, let's say my bedroom, it's going to be my bedroom, four walls red, that's active energy in a place where I should be resting. So exactly, yes, where my energy should be at a whole Zen, complete Zen. Mm -hmm. And so you only want to implement 
the proper colors in the proper setting, not just splash on colors because I want to splash them on the wall because I want to have pops of color everywhere on the home. No, it has to make sense. There has to be a harmony. There has to be an intelligence behind it all. So if I have a whole bedroom full of red walls, it's always going to have my energy at a high level because it's fire energy, even according to feng shui. So I'm never going to have a good night's rest because my energy is so activated. Yeah. Activated because of my four walls. So I need to calm that down with a more soothing tone, a more soothing hue. So that's an example of how color plays an important role on one's spirit, one's energy flow. And so another example of what I should not do and someone I would recommend not to do in one's bedroom is when blue represents water element. Mm -hmm. So when you have a blue bedroom, perfect, it's great. But I've seen this in many even magazines before where there's blue walls, four walls, yet ceiling blue as well. When you have the ceiling blue, it causes a drowning effect because of the water element. Right. And so when after some months, some weeks, like first some weeks, then some months, it starts to cause a heaviness over one's life and and you feel suffocated in your very own home. I feel that way. I had... I had a client that had, he wanted to recreate the sky with blue, but it didn't feel, it felt kind of like you're describing and psychologically speaking, it felt boundless. It it felt like no container, so to speak. It inundates you. Yeah. In a flooding type of way. Yes, that's why I feel like it's very important that, for example, in your position in your career, you really think about the process for your clientele. Mm -hmm. It's very personal. You really analyze their lifestyle, their, their goals that they're trying to reach within the energies of the color, because color is very spiritual as well, if you notice, because in for example, in Hinduism and feng shui in all those cultures and even in Africa, those three very ancient human cultures that that have been around for a very long time, they all have one thing in common, which is color. In Hinduism, they have the sutras, which are the, the, the cotton threads, which are consecrated, which we wear either a woman on their left hand or a man on their right hand. And they're either red as an activator to, to, right. help, to, to help you move forward in overcoming fears and overcoming spiritual blockages and, and those malignant forces that, that are impeding your everyday life. And so it's an energizer for your spirit. And there's also the black sutras, which are the, the cotton threads that are consecrated which black is a very empowering color where it's a force to, to really move forward in life. That's why when black is used properly in, in, in the adequate ways, it's a force to be reckoned with. It's mm-hmm. a powerful force. 
force when used in the adequate manners because it can not just be a suffocating black. It has to be well thought about because black is very attractive. It's it's a magnet. It's a force. It's a force. Yeah. And, and, and in comparison, for example, white in the spiritual in spirituality, it's reflective. So when one is healing in a spiritual community, when one is going through a healing process and one is very receptive towards other human beings' energies, you it is recommended you wear white as your healing because white bounces energy off of one's individual. So white clothing bounces energy. It bounces where black is attractive and it's a force, but it absorbs too, right? Correct. So black absorbs, but it's very powerful. So white is very reflective. Reflective. So, so it all depends on the on the scenario where you're going to fit yourself in, whether you want to absorb energy or whether you want to reflect energy. And that's a great distinguishing point when going back to your example of the bedroom, doing every wall in red which oddly I had a feng shui consultant once go into, I guess my downstairs bathroom was my house of love. And, and it was like a magenta, like she painted the whole thing magenta. And I would like go in this bathroom and I was like, oh my God, like my, my friends would be like, this, this room is really like, it, it's so activating that it was a little too much. So your example of the bedroom which in psychotecture work, yes, I, I would say the, the function of the bedroom is to restore. It's to, you know, connect sensually, sexually restore. It has that sensual restorative function. It's not an activating place. It, you know, that's why we want to keep it minimal. So if you had the red, as you're saying, could you put one red wall and then the rest, you know, because what I appreciate what you're saying, it's really kind of harmonizing with color and their, and their purposes. Right. Correct. So, so would somebody who would, let's say, want passion in the bedroom and they would say, okay, let's put that one red wall there how would you approach that? Like, let's say a couple needing more sexiness in their world, right? I, I would approach that with decorative pieces that, okay. that, that punch that color approach, whether it, you're igniting the fire in the bedroom, whether it were too red or maybe pink hued. Pink hues. Pink, pink hues. Pink hues decorative pillows think of like peonies like in 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 those hues like peonies like beautiful so you could even implement a a beautiful peony bouquet arrangement or of that color i would say the color because okay not the arrangement because recall that a bouquet of flowers in feng shui has a high amount of energy it's an activator yes flowers are so when your home is is feeling very low in energy when it's feeling depressed that gloomy feeling and and you want to uplift your home 
a cure for uplifting your home is adding bouquets of flowers. Mm-hmm. So in feng shui, it is recommended that you should add three bouquets of flowers around the home. One in the living room, one in the kitchen, maybe one in the hallway. And that, and that brings an interesting point because in psychotexture, what I'm looking at is the westernized view of psychological design variables in our space. And I wonder in feng shui, it sounds like the color scheme and the actual design treatments are already embodied with energetic forces right? There, there is a predetermined living, you know, embodied kind of spiritual, energetic, vibrational, you know, effect of a mirror of the flowers, right? It has These, a higher vibrancy. So it's, it's right. It goes, I guess my little scientist brain wants to understand that it it's in frequency and vibration. There's, there's this energetic force of nature that's working through these variables. Design. There, is. It, there is, there definitely is. In quantum physics, you know, they have, it's a study of matter and energy. And you know that every color in the spectrum has a different frequency that it resonates. That's why I say the flowers, the, 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 the ideology behind it is that the vibrancy of the different color hues is what sends out, radiates that energy into the home. Right. That's why that freshness or, or here's another cure where it's, it implements with color and feng shui. When, when you have troublesome moments where there's a lot of arguments going on in the home, it is recommended you should get six red apples and put them in the living room. In the, in the kitchen. Why? Because red, recall being the activator, it vibrates at a different frequency and it starts to absorb and work within the environment. And so that's how it, it really functions. So if there's discord, the purpose of the apples would be to kind of hone in that discord there. It, it yes. helps to kind of take it take it in harness it yes harness it it absorbs and so that's a quick easy fix if you don't want to paint you would say like a red wall in the living room or or go and buy accessories you just go to the market six red apples allow the energy of the red color hue work its frequency through the home and after a few days thank them and and send them on their way and so, yeah, because in feng shui, the vibration and the energy that works in this space kind of does its own treatment. And I wonder in westernized psychology, and we started talking about this, and I'm curious to pick your brain about this, the intrapsychic meaning and attachment we have to color. I think plays a very individualized role that sometimes Feng Shui can't totally account for, right? And we we gave or you gave an example of, you know, some some trauma in childhood where you know we 
you know, or in the hospital and there were yellow walls or, or, you know, something that kind of sits in the embodied association to color. That's correct. That, that is correct. Where, where it's embedded within the depths of the psyche when, when one has a harsh experience, for example, I have an aunt whom she was, I recall her telling me this story when uh, one day we were working together and I said, oh, I really like this, this pink hue. It's very beautiful. And she, she was grossed out by the, by the color. She could not take it. She, she didn't want to have it inside. And I said, but why? And she said, I don't know. She was just repulsed by it. Repulsed. And I said, no, this doesn't sit well with me. I have to study and get behind the why. Why is this? It's not just, oh, I don't like it because I don't like it. And so I just, I, right. Because a lot of people, to your point and what your to what your aunt's experience is, is just like, I don't, I just don't, I, I just hate that color. Just don't right. like it. And then there's something much more complex behind that. So after speaking to her, I found out that when she was like seven years old, she she was fighting over a pink doll with one of her sisters where she fell and she broke her leg. And, and it came out to be that it was this harsh experience where her bone was fractured. She, she was in trouble with her parents. And then now later in life, she, she, she notices after I brought it out of her, you know, after some deep. deep you did some deep tissue around yes, that. You got to the source, Janielle. Yes, yes. And I needed to know. I just, I, I know that it's just, you don't like things because you don't like them. No, there's something embedded within the depths of that psyche in there. And so I shoveled, I shoveled and I dug. And then it was because of that experience. And then she said, Oh my goodness, no wonder that color reminds me of the experience because she said, you know what, it reminds me of the dog. That's how the conversation came up. And I said, she said it reminds her of her old dog when she was a little girl. And that's how I'm like, oh, tell me about the dog. She said, oh, we got in a fight. My leg broke. We went to the hospital. I got in trouble. And then so we interconnected it where that was the trouble. And that was the real, just to even go back to that doll. You know, and trauma is so fascinating in that way because it, it can be just these. I mean, that's pretty major because she also had a medical, you know, and uh, she, she oh, sorry, you will know she broke her her leg. You her say, leg. yes, and she's 68 years old now and she still carries that with her, with her, that 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 trauma embedded within the depths of her mindset. Right. And as we know how trauma work, works, it's so sensory, right? It's so embodied in our sensory world and trauma is not so, it's not so rational. It's not how we, it, we get instinctually triggered by it. So that's why the sensory of color, the smells, the, the air, you know, yes. it's the sensory that really brings us way back to that early childhood time that, and sometimes what I'll do doing trauma recovery is you can just connect with the body. And she probably, you know, it's saying, well, I just don't like that color, but to kind of connect, even she could probably feel nauseous or repulsed or, right scared she was repulsed she was was like no i don't i just don't want it yeah (laughs) yeah and who would want to go back 
to that, right? I mean, in the trauma brain of it all, the reptilian trauma brain is like, no, thank you. Don't want to, yeah, don't want that color in my home. (laughs) Yeah, go go ahead. And I was going to say that, that we do resonate, for example, it could be a color or an aroma to a situation because I'll tell you what I like to do. Everywhere I travel, whether it be another state, somewhere new or another country, I always purchase a small perfume everywhere I go. So when I'm there, I wear that perfume, that cologne. I don't finish the cologne. I wear it, for example, if I was a week in Spain, I'll wear that cologne in Spain and I'll bring it back to me. So when I feel like, like when I'm here in Los Angeles and and I feel like remembering those situations that I lived through in Spain, I put on the cologne and easily, they, they pour in my mind, like, like, like pouring right into my mindset. And so that's why I resonate aroma everywhere I go. And I have another cologne for Paris. Then I have another cologne for, for another part of the world. And so everywhere I go, I have a collection because it allows me to transport myself back into certain situations. That's fantastic. And yeah, who doesn't want to just imbue themselves back into having Spain, like, you know, in their, in their immediate sensory world, no matter, no matter what, but you know what I also especially love about that, that's taking the sensory psychology of the olfactory and aroma and using it as how can we make that a positive proactive treatment in our lives, right? And that's you really making a proactive choice to bring the positive association into your world. And I think so often we don't really act that intentionally. Right? I, I concur. I concur. And I feel like the first step of it all is awareness. Yes. In a higher consciousness where we're conscious of that concept where, and then that ignites further healing. Yes. Yes, exactly. Because when we're unconscious, we can be living in that trauma vortex where when you're, you know, when, when I look at like maybe Maslow's hierarchy, you know, going into the self-actualized, but to be conscious is to then, and a lot of therapy is to, to heal that unconscious, to make it conscious. And like how you describe in your furniture design and your process, it's really, you know, which I, I'm just so excited even talking about how you work, that it's designing with intention and consciousness. And once we kind of can, you know, maybe go into that unconscious scary place, which is one thing, people don't have to do that, right? They don't even have to do that. Or what, like you're saying, what do we consciously have a palette for? Or what do we know inspires us or makes us feel happy? What makes us feel grounded? What makes us feel connected to our spiritual side of travel? So I appreciate the word consciousness, which consciousness, mindfulness, you know, they're all, what would you say, synonymous? They're very interrelated because they're very complementary amongst one another. Yeah. We, we have to have a sense of 
calmness where the world, we stop allowing all these thoughts to come in and we only allow ourselves to think, to process. And, mm -hmm. and I feel that's very imperative to one's mindset, to the healing process, that we need to listen to what's going on in our brains in order for us to further implement that into our physicality of our lives. Yeah, so you really looking at the connection of honing in on your own self and reducing the chatter to kind of come into a more sacred place with oneself. And, you know, I think going into whether it's a home or an office, what I especially love about the work you do as we wind down here. And actually one point I wanted to make before we wind down, I, I had an interview with a architect and painter and we had a very interesting discussion around color and savagery and how color talk about the, you know, there's the psychological, there's the spiritual, there's the feng shui energetic, but there's the political, political politicization of color and how color was oppressed for many years. I mean, many years. I mean, and, and color was associated with kind of the uncivilized and, you know, and how, let's say you look at a city like New Orleans or how it kind of, you know, getting loud with color and showing we have color can be even its own political association, social, like you were saying with ska, just to kind of bookend it, because I loved how you described how ska fights through oppression through rhythm. Correct. Color, color fights through oppression too. Correct. And, and if you realize if you, we know our ancestry of color, where it derived from, the color purple is very royal because at only a certain group of individuals a very long time ago, of course, were able to source that color because in order for you to bring that color out, extract it into a tangible form, you needed to boil snails and other key ingredients for a very long time and a very in-depth process for you to extract that color. So if you had the monetary income, the income to really pay someone to do that color for you, it means that you were somewhere at, what would I say? Like a royal, a, a very privileged. At a different altitude of monies than yes. the rest of society. And so if you notice that if you were seen walking around wearing that color, that, that, that meant, oh, you had a certain level in society of monies in, in your pocket or in your family because you were able to afford such services to, to color your clothing. And if you notice that color, it's seen in the royal family now. It's seen in the popes, where the popes wear it in religion. It's seen also in spirituality, the crown chakra. Mm -hmm. where, where it's all interrelated as well. And it is very, very important where it does get political at one point. Mm -hmm. And I think like, as we are as people, we have multitudes in us and so does color. Color holds 
all of these elements and the way that we support somebody to their highest self in their space where they're wanting to produce their highest result, we want to be intentional in supporting them in how to assess and apply color, right? Yes. So I really so much appreciate and in future work to collaborate on design project, working with you to support the psychological design process. You know, I really want to, first of all, share how folks get in touch with you. And also I would just love to, you know, continue to collaborate with clients to support their design choices with somebody who can really, you know, manifest and manufacture that in their furniture. So how would, how would we get in touch with you folks in the audience would like to? Oh, thank you so much, Rachel. I would love to be accessible to anyone who is interested in in connecting with me. They can find me in my Instagram, Joniel Colors, or they can find, see my portfolio, transitionalcf.com and my telephone number is 323-331-8239 it's my business telephone number so you may contact me there at any time my email is jon at transitionalcf.com and i am here in los angeles so i'm i'm very connected with all my surroundings i'm an angelino born and raised so Mm -hmm. i love my city yeah, you really do. And I and I appreciate that. And I really am just so inspired by the your work and your, you know, actualized self and the way that you kindly work with people. And, you know, it's really something to to appreciate. And I look forward to some more conversations that we could you know, have around color. There's so much more to explore. And I would I would love the opportunity to continue to do that. Thank you, Rachel. I really do foresee us working together in the future. And, and my most important goal in life is to be understanding of other human individuals that we all carry a different destiny in life and that no one is better than any other human individual at all whatsoever. No one knows more than another individual. We all carry our own special traits or attributes that we can learn from one another. We carry a world above our shoulders that each human individual that we can all learn from. So to me, compassion, understanding, and love and and progression within that healing industry to me is, is very important to my life and to those that are in my surroundings. And thank you for leaving us with that last golden nugget, but that that beautiful just message into the world, because perhaps that's a whole nother conversation, how color heals, but, and I wanted to get to this today, but maybe another time, but we'll, we'll leave that as our, you know, ending statement that it's, it's going into the collective and the community. And that's the ultimate purpose of color, healing, and yes, no one's inferior, no one's superior, you know, so thank you for that. Amen. Thank you. I appreciate the time. 
And I look forward to talking soon. Me too, Rachel. And I'm very thankful for having met you and, and for us exchanging our wonderful energy that really uplifts one another. And we both learn from each other. Thank you. Thank you so much, Danielle. Take good care. Goodbye. Psychotecture by Rachel Malvald with coaching, consultation, and psychotherapy offered virtually and in home throughout the Los Angeles greater area and nationally. We work to ease design challenges to create transformative habitats. Thank you, and we look forward to the next episode and your questions. If you're enjoying this Psychotech is in, please subscribe to my podcast as well as follow me on social media at Rachel Malvald. And if you are a client, couple, or designer architect having a design challenge, please feel free to email me at my website, psychotecture.com, or rachel at psychotecture.com.